Hey everyone, welcome back to Group Therapy. I am one of your hosts, licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Jessica Raven. And I'm licensed psychologist, Dr. J. And I'm licensed clinical social worker, Kristen Gingrich. I'm licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Kristen Casey. In light of the U.S. election on November 8th, this week's session is all about the impact of politics and the sociopolitical climate on mental health. So settle in, take a seat, and welcome to Group Therapy. So last week we focused on fears and phobias. As you know, after the episode releases, we post a reflection question over on our Instagram story for y'all to answer. So last week's reflection question was, what is a step you could take right now in overcoming your fear or phobia? We read through your responses and I wanna share a few. So one of them was going and feeding Botros, who is the dog that is probably gonna run after me and bite me after he sees me just walking, like every time I go for a walk. So we have that dog phobia that we were talking about on last week's episode. Mm. Uh, Setting a timer to confront the fear. I can do anything for five minutes. I love that one. I really like that one. I could actually start working on it in therapy. I have the exposure hierarchy made, but I've been putting off the actual exposure part. Mm. Love that. You've done part of the hard work. Yep. Goes to that avoidance that we were talking about. Um, I could call the doctor's office and try to make an appointment I've been putting off. Mm. And the last one I'm going to share is I'm going to call my therapist. So good for you for having a therapist. (laughs) Good for you wanting to work on it. Um, So today, like I said, we're going to be talking about politics and mental health. And really just to open the discussion, I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on what do you think or feel when you think about the intersection between politics or maybe broadly our sociopolitical climate and mental health? Such a loaded question, Jess. Yeah. I think you can <laughs> you know, come starting at it from strong. Bunch, <laughs> I think you can come at it from a bunch of different angles. I mean, you can talk about its impact on mental health. You can talk about mental health and legislation that gets made and where people stand and if they're going to keep funding um, for certain programs for, for people. Um, just again, witnessing the bombarding of people talking smack on each other all day, um, which is pretty much what political campaigns are half the time, um, and the impact that that has. I mean, you come at it from a ton of angles. I think I've seen, especially since the pandemic, and I know we covered the pandemic um, in our first episode. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just more aware or spending more time, but I feel like more people are talking about the impact of politics on their mental health. Um, I don't know if you all have the same experience or same perception, but I feel like things that even like a decade ago um, or thinking back to like when I could first vote to now, things that I wouldn't have considered political have become very politicized. And I think that has Mm -hmm. um, really impacted a lot of people's mental health. I know it has mine and just even being more aware and involved in politics, I know has, I would say negatively impacted my mental health. Or even just how polarizing it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think as we get older, I think when I was, I think we're talking about it more, but when I was 14, 15, 16, I, we didn't talk politics. Like I, I honestly, until two years ago, didn't know where my parents stood politically. 
I couldn't even tell you because we never talked about it. Um, We never talked about these quote unquote hot button issues. Um, I just grew up and learned my beliefs on my own. And I think as we get older, again, we get pulled into it even more. And then you find out whether, wow, I have polarizing and different opinions than the people in my life or my family members, my parents, my siblings, the friends that I have or had. Um, And the impact that that has when we do have, when we do, when we do share different opinions. Yeah. I've, I've even noticed in my own personal life, like it's just been this weird experience of really trying to get a gauge for where do you stand politically? Or like, if you talk about hot topics, like how people respond, you know, it's, it's like, it's just so difficult sometimes to have created these friendships for long periods of time. And then to know that some friends or family members might not be aligned on the same issue. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's incredibly stressful. I mean, I know it is for me, it's come up with my clients in therapy quite a bit. Like, oh my gosh, the holidays are coming up. And how do I sit across from my uncle or my aunt or whoever that like is mm-hmm. the complete opposite, you know, in terms of their thinking on, on mm-hmm. politics and they're stressed. Like they're literally stressed and anxious about actually attending like a Christmas party or something and really affects, um, you know, it just affects your sense of self in so many ways. Absolutely. And one thing I've noticed with my clients, so I work primarily with children and teens. I do have a handful of clients that are of voting age and the number of times political topics come up in therapy from my clients who can't even vote, but Mm. seeing things on the news, um, you know, even hearing like legislation in different states that isn't necessarily going to directly impact them, but it impacts people like them because they hold some type of minority or marginalized status and bringing that into the therapy room. And KBI, going back to what you were saying, like not even knowing until a couple of years ago where your parents did politically and things like that. I know when I was 14, 15 years old, I was not thinking about politics, but I've seen so many Gen Zers like really invested and speaking out, even though they can't vote Mm -hmm. to make a change. Um, But it does give me hope for the future because if they're invested now, what is it going to look like in ten years? And I and I think one of the things that plays into this too is the access to media. I was 10 and I wasn't watching the evening news versus you can be 10 now and just scrolling TikTok. First of all, don't be 10 and on TikTok, get off TikTok. Um, but you can be, you can be 14 and on TikTok and suddenly you're coming across like TikToks talking about legislations or things that are completely made up or real or whatever around politics. And we didn't have that. When we were when we were that young, we didn't have the access like like people do now. Good and bad. There's definitely good and bad. Good because people are getting more educated, things like that. But um, it's it's just the amount of access we have is just so different than like 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah, that dial-up internet shit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, you, you make a really good point, KBI, because I think you're kind of at that point, I mean, I was at the mercy of what my parents thought, you know, Mm -hmm. or the people around Mm -hmm. me and like what they thought or like what I was getting 
taught in school. And we know that, you know, just based on education standards and everything now, I mean, there's a lot that we didn't get taught, you know, when we were younger about politics, about, you know, the accuracy of, of certain events, you know, and, and now we're kind of having to catch up for lost time. And I'm coming from a very white perspective here when I say this of like, you know, I've had to really catch up, uh, you know, and it's, it's been really, um, as a psychologist, I think it's really, as a white psychologist, I think it's really stressful too, because it's like, you want to know everything, you know, and you want to like be involved and you want to know exactly what's going on. And I think it's really good that we're finally in some ways being more in tune with these things as it relates to like minority status and all that and, and voting and voting for things that might not actually impact us that really impact our clients. Um, and I think that really affects our mental health and just the field in general. Yeah, totally. You made so many good points have been made. And that last point, K10, is is so true. The privilege you get of hearing so many unique perspectives as a therapist is one that I think a lot of people just don't get to encounter because as therapists, I mean, you don't filter people out. I mean, at least I don't. I don't know many therapists out there asking on the front end, what's your political affiliation or what's <laughs> You know, what are your beliefs on this? Because I may or may not take you on as a client. Um, so you you really sit with and get to hear the perspectives of lots of varying people. And I, I think it does open you up in ways to see how different legislation impacts people mm -hmm. differently. That it might not impact you. It might be not something you care about or think about. Um, especially if you're like me and you have certain unearned privileges that you might be like, oh, you know, that legislation might not be something that would be big on my mind, but for you, oh my gosh. And as a therapist, we're trying to see the world we can as best we can through your lens. Um, that's part of being, you know, multiculturally competent. Um, and in doing that, it makes you and forces you to think about other people in a way of like, wow, this legislation literally changes your life and the way you go about things. And I, I'm, I'm sitting with that privilege all the time of like getting to hear different people's perspectives. And it does. It makes you much more open to policies and perspectives that normally, again, they wouldn't hit you in the same way. Yeah. And, and I think to Jess's point, that's kind of where Gen Z comes in about like, they're, they're, they're privy to so much information, you know, mm -hmm. and as therapists, we're obviously, like you said, Justin, we're so privy to, you know, information based on our clients. And I think, I don't know about y'all, I'll just be honest, it, it's been a really big point of frustration for me when I talk to my friends and family and just people in my life. And, you know, if I bring up like maybe a heated topic, and they're just unaware of it, it like sends me, I'm like, how mm -hmm. do you not know this? Or how do you... Mm -hmm how are you not aware of what's got like, what, how, how, right. And, mm -hmm. but I think to, to everybody's point, it's, we're so involved and invested and in, in these policies, because I think we have to be, I, I, mm -hmm. I, I have a viewpoint that, you know, mental health is political, you know, the policies mm -hmm. really gauge how often your clients could see a therapist sometimes. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's really tough. Well, and I work in community mental health. I work in an agency that relies on Medicaid and Medicare um, to mm -hmm. stay afloat. And that is federally funded. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, a lot of, even my clients don't realize the ins and outs of those policies when they're looking to make their vote. Um, a lot of times, even family members or things like that, they just look at it as this is a program taking money versus when you take that money, what what is the consequences of that on the other end? 
and then claiming like, oh, and this is going to be like a really harsh viewpoint, but I've heard this said like, oh, why are there so many mentally ill people there? Why are people killing themselves? Why are people doing all of this? And I'm like, well, you voted for this specific thing that cut funding here. Mm -hmm. So now these programs are getting cut. And that was, and, and for our group members, that was obviously a very harsh dramatization of that, but that's, that, that's what it sums up to for a lot of viewpoints. Um, and working in that field, that part of the field where that's, that's the insurance that is 99% of the insurance we take at my job that when they make cuts to that, it is detrimental to so many people. Mm-hmm. In an alternative so, universe, I wish we could just like fight insurance companies. But like, I would fist fight oh, Anthem. Like, like I just want to like one hundred percent. Like me and Anthem, box throw down. Match. Yeah, throw down. Box me match. Yeah. But Catchy you make hands. such great points, KBI. Like as somebody that works in a hospital, you know, I take Medicaid. I don't take Medicare because I don't see adults. I'm pretty sure I'm panel for it, but no, no nobody I'm seeing. Um, as Medicare, but I just hear the stories of like not being able to access treatment because of the limits post like, okay, yeah, they have insurance, but what does the insurance actually cover? And right. Medicaid and Medicare are um, like political. They're, they're federally funded programs. And, you know, I often have to refer if like I can't see them to community mental health centers. But I mean, you can speak to this more than I can, KBI. You all just have as long of wait lists, if not longer. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know you're laughing right now. <sighs> and, I, and I mean, healthcare in general. And mm-hmm. if we know if our physical health is not doing good, our mental health mm-hmm. is suffering. And so all of those things are things that we vote on or should be able to vote on. Um, but we're having individuals in political positions making these decisions about healthcare. And, you know, like you said, budget cuts, things like that. And mm-hmm. that is going to directly impact so many people that we, the four of us personally serve and so many of our group members listening. Well, it directly impacts me. My mm-hmm. son gets Medicaid um, because he has autism and falls under the disability portion of what in my state, we call it main care. He gets what they call Katie Beckett, which is a supplement insurance to a private insurance. Um, so I pay a certain amount to get this insurance and um, it covers services for him. Here in Maine, the school that my son goes to, he would not be able to go to with private insurance. The in-home services that if he would ever need, my private insurance would not cover that. Wow. The ca- things like case management, that if I would ever need for that I used for a short time for him and ended up not needing it would not be covered by my private insurance, nor could I pay for it out of pocket. So there are even programs out there that do not even take private insurance that I am that I'm privileged to be able to get Medicaid for myself and not for myself, but for my family, my son, to be able to access services to help set him up for success with his autism. And That's so incredible. I and like think about that, like <clears throat> how it affects things at such like it, it affects things at home so much, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, if I zoom out, I kind of think about what else are, what else do we not know? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like there's so much out there that like, we don't know about like how 
all these policies affect not only our clients, but just people in general. I mean, housing, I, I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. It, it literally affects everything. And I, I, I always want to say like stress is mental health. So if you don't have a stable place to live, then it's going to be really hard to feel stable and okay. You know, you're going to probably feel stressed in some way. So I think it's really hard. And especially with education too, KBI, like you're talking about. Education is another area I think of a lot when we come, when I think about politics and especially like I have a lot of teacher friends that have left the field because of not being supported at the state level, like not being funded in schools, Mm -hmm. low pay, things like that. And then I think about the kids that, you know, yes, they go to school for education, but for a lot of children, that is where they get their food. That Mm -hmm. is, you know, where they can receive their mental health services or their PT, OT, speech therapy. And if, I mean, I know here in South Carolina, um, we vote we're coming up and voting for a lot of things related to our education system. Um, I don't know the specifics of everybody else's states, but like those are things now having a child that, you know, a couple years ago, I was like, yeah, okay, these are my beliefs with education, but I'm like, okay, no, my daughter is going to be enrolled in these schools. What type of mm-hmm. programs, what type of funding things that, um, like, do I, I want? And, you know, bringing it back to mental health, if kids aren't in a safe and stable environment at home, and then school is also not that because teachers are quitting left and right. They have, you know, a substitute one day, a different substitute the next. Um, you know, the school counselor is overloaded because it's like one school counselor for the entire school. And then, you know, one school psychologist for the entire district, like that's going to impact mental health mm-hmm. as well. And all of that funding is either state and or federal, depending on what we're looking at. Yeah. And those policies are absolutely important. Again, people don't realize that It's not just mental health policies that we need to be looking at. It's everything. So people wouldn't realize that voting on funding for schools, we're not thinking down to the the smaller things that it's going to impact, such as having one school counselor, like one school therapist for the entire school or one school psychologist for the entire school. They just see it as this overarching funding. And then you, and then again, you look at just how these politics and talking about them impact our mental health. And when, again, like we talked about going up against Uncle Nicky, who has blatant different political views than us, whether it's on schooling or different human rights or federal funds, like any of that, and how exhausting that can be and picking battles with that person. Um, because maybe you're sitting here and you're in one belief and obviously you think you're right. And then uncle Nicky's sitting over there and he thinks he's right. And then it's like, when do I call it quits of, of arguing part. with this person? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, I think it's tough because everything is really polarized. Mm-hmm. It's like, not only do you have to pick a side in a political party. Right. But then you also, it's easy to get into arguments online. Right. And then mm-hmm. how much has this person actually researched? How much is this person invested in, in the causes? Do they know whether this politician actually votes on 
certain things, right? I mean, because I think it's easy to say, <clears throat> you know, if we look at political parties, like, oh, I'm just going to choose a side. But when you really, really, really think deeply into it, and there's obviously a spectrum, there's not just two sides. But I think it's really difficult, because I always think that opinions are weighed very differently. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if there's a person who has studied politics and is in the political world for a really long time, and just say they're like an advocate for, you know, education with politics, they probably know more than me, you know, mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, I might kind of take their opinion a little deeper than maybe somebody who hasn't researched it. I think it's the same when we talk about science and stuff like that, you know, but it's, I think it's difficult. Um, I get caught up on Twitter. I get caught up on Twitter every fucking day. It seems like, but um, <clears throat> it's like my, I, I don't know why I do it. It just makes me more stressed. Um, but people will like have, you know, tweets about politics and all this stuff. And I, I, I had this thought last night as I was reflecting on like doing this today if we took all the money out of politics, like what would the landscape of this actually look like? I, I just, I seriously wonder that all the time. Like, absolutely different. It would mm -hmm. be crazy different. Like mm -hmm. if you think about it, like if you have all this money, you could go to every single state and talk to everybody. But if you don't have any money, I mean, you're kind of stuck if you don't have any fund, right? So I don't know how that would change things, but it's something that I like to think about. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, Jess would find anybody in a comment section who doesn't have their research done. She could, she could sniff them yeah. out. She's like, oh, you yeah. didn't do your research. You yeah. didn't do your research. Here's an article. There's an article. Y'all yeah. get articles. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is true. I made a TikTok the other day with like, I don't know, citing like six research articles, not politically related, but, but K-10, when you were just talking, another thing that just came up for me with regard to like differing sides or having conversations is also like the distress that we experience within ourselves when we're presented with information that goes against what we thought or what we believed. So cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. if we want to use a clinical term, but like, you know, especially with all the misinformation out there or even like, you know, media, we get snippets of what goes on. Now, I will admit, because I'm a nerd, a lot of times I do actually go find the actual policy and read it. Um, I don't Why? understand yeah. all of it, though. Why doesn't that surprise I, me? <laughs> but like, even having a PhD, I don't understand it all, though, because I am not mm. a lawyer. I am not a politician. Um, but I do my best to try to like see what is actually said. But the reality is, the I would argue the majority of normal people don't do that. <laughs> um but it is like difficult when, you know, you believe something, you saw something somewhere, you know, you thought you did your research and then you're presented with information mm. that contracts it. Or like you're in a conversation with somebody and they present a point of view that you've never considered. And then having to sit with that and being like, ooh, this is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know with cognitive dissonance, a lot of times we then tend to lean more heavily towards our previous held beliefs because that's easier, but sitting with that discomfort and like recognizing, oh, maybe I was wrong about this. Or even if I wasn't wrong about this, I can now understand why somebody else might think differently than me. And I think that can be really stressful internally oh, yeah. as well. Totally. And I think it's also a really good skill to have to be able to sit with the discomfort because if not, you just be engaging in confirmation bias too, like cherry picking you know, information mm -hmm. to validate your original belief, which I think is really harmful, you know, and I think that's kind of what people do. Um, and I think on TikTok, especially, I've, I've come across a few accounts that actually explain just to your point, like some of the policies in ways that are digestible. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it's been so amazing because I, I think like I could read a policy, for example, Roe vs. Wade, that whole situation, right, that popped up. I was reading the actual everything. It was like it was long and I was reading it. And I was like, I actually don't understand a lot of this. I really don't. Um, so I had to like talk with some of my colleagues and friends and stuff and we're trying to like make sense of it. And it's like it's just overwhelming, I think. So I think the information out there people are taking snippets because they might not have the time to read it and they might not actually understand it. They might not actually understand what this law or this policy or procedure means. And I think that's kind of where there's the disconnect. Yeah. I I was going to just add on to that. It's like, I also think it's hard in the era where media companies stay afloat by gaining, you know, viewers, readers, watchers. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get unbiased information. Mm-hmm. Like everyone out there right now can reflect and know what bend each media station tends to have. Mm-hmm. And if not, I encourage you, there have been attempts at trying to choose the most unbiased or central media outlets out there. I think NPR was one that was selected to be very central. But listen, it's hard because the information that you get is coming with an added spice or filtered through someone most of the time. Mm -hmm. Like it's rare that you get the information in a way that, yeah, you can understand it and isn't sensationalized Mm -hmm. in some way. Because Anything that plays off our emotions, again, is going to get more viewers and more attention, but it's also going to impact our mental health. And it's not to say it's not important, but that is a part of this whole process is how information is conveyed is also going to pull us in a different direction. We love a good clickbait article that just pulls you in. Yeah. So Justin, to your point, I don't know if you all remember this or saw, I think it was last March, like March, 2021, the Pew Research did um, a study looking at like mental health and political affiliation. Mm -hmm. And they found that white liberal leaning individuals, I can't remember the age range. I know it's shocking. I don't actually have this study in front of me right now, um, are more likely to have been diagnosed with a mental health disorder. And I remember seeing this all over TikTok or um, more like conservative-leaning outlets and news stations that are like, liberals are mentally ill. Like that is the title Mm. because that is what's going to draw people in. And then, you know, on the more liberal-leaning side, people are like, no, 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 no. Like that's probably not what it said, da, 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 da. And like – but most people aren't going to go to the research, the actual literature and see and like, you know – we all know from being in graduate school and stuff, there's so many factors. And, you know, it talked about, um, you know, just are they more likely to seek therapy? But then there's been other studies, you know, saying different things. And Mm. typically when one study comes out, and we've seen this with a lot of things, like people hold on to it, they pick and choose things and run with it. And I think that's how, to Justin's point, like a lot of our media is and has contributed to this polarization. And that alone is going to impact our mental health. And that's why I usually, like when I'm researching a topic, I try to look for three sources mm-hmm. on that topic. Like I will I will read something on CNN, I will read something on NPR, and I will read something on Fox News just to get this entire picture. Because in a way, each, each news outlet that we see, we're going to see portions of that. And they're gonna they're gonna put their own their own spin on it. There's not many news outlets that literally just report facts. Now there's V on TikTok 
who I trust her. Trust, I trust them with my entire, I trust them with my entire life. No doubt. That's where I get, (laughs) I will say if it's on there, they got it all done. But, um, like I make sure to look at, um, to look at all those sides. And if there's something that pops up and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I will go and do that extra research. The issue is, is that a lot of people don't do that extra research and they're taking a headline from the onion.com and, and running with that. And it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's slow down. Let's, let's slow it down. Let's, let's double check that this is something that's going on. And it happens on both sides and in between. There have been things that have aligned with my political views that I've been like, what? What? Uh, no, no. And I've gone and I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's add that because we took that topic and we twisted that six times to Sunday. It's wild too. Cause I sorry. Know. I just six times to Sunday. I couldn't, I don't know. It, it just Wait, came where, out. Where's that from, actually? I don't know. Like, it just came out. It almost no. sounds like, oh my God, that sounds really weird. Actually. One of the group members is going to get it. They're going to understand it. We need, we need comments to support this. We need data. If, if there's no comments by next episode, you are alone. KBI. <laughs> it's okay. I'm used to being alone. It's fine. <laughs> When you were when you were talking, it just made me think too about like um, like science and stuff, you know, and ha- and how science has kind of become politicized, and like it's it's kind of at this point where people will kind of take one study, like Jess is saying, and like use that as like the study about one thing, like anything. Um, when people who have done a dissertation, not KBI, but maybe you did like a master's thesis or something, you have to like get like a ton, a ton. Like if you do like a literature review, what that means is like you take as many resources as humanly possible, condense it into something and have your dissertation chair just rip it apart and you have to write it all over again, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, it's just, I think having multiple sources is so incredibly important, especially for policies that relate to not only mental health, but physical health, all these things. I mean, I'm thinking of COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just been stressful. Well, and and even, and even with COVID, like how politicized COVID was. I mean, it just feels like in our political climate, everything gets politicized and that can be so draining on people that just something as like, like an illness Mm -hmm. is, is being brought into the political spectrum. And you're kind of like, why? It's exhausting. And And I think it's exhausting for our clients, you know, mm -hmm. because I think when everything's, when everything kind of happened, um, some of my clients have actually asked me like, what is your political affiliation? Cause like, I feel safe with you, but I, if I do talk about these topics, I, I just want to be really seen and heard. And that's been a point of, I think, contention for a lot of therapists of like, how much do I want to share? How therapeutic is this? How helpful is this? You know, cause you don't want people to feel unsafe. And at the same time, you know, is this part of therapy? I think that's the big question. And mm-hmm. I think therapy you know, can be political and it should be, in my opinion. But at the same time, I mean, if you have a client with opposing views, how do you go about that conversation? Because you still want to support them and, and be there for them. It's mm-hmm. that's been stressful for me personally. Mm-hmm. And it just it's it's the whole like kind of arena of how do we talk about politics? How do we talk mm-hmm. about 
um, our viewpoints and while also protecting our mental health mm-hmm. and finding that scale. Um, because again, you could, you could fight till your dying day around your political viewpoints and the things you are passionate about and the things that you value and follow your morals while risking the stability of your mental health to the point that you have fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Or oh, you yeah. can try to try to keep your mental health in check while lessening the amount that you have those conversations. But then you have that guilt and shame for not speaking up or not saying something when you quote unquote the, the, the should, when you feel like you should be saying something. And it's mm-hmm. such a hard balance. Um, and it's I don't really know if any of you guys have experienced that. Well, I know one thing that I was just thinking about hearing you all talk is going back to like the polarized things. And, you know, we all have social media platforms, like having assumptions made about my political affiliation based on certain content that I post. And the reality is like, I have never indicated where I stand politically on social media. I will talk about certain issues that I am passionate about and people can inference that. But at the end of the day, they know my stance on that issue, not the whole political spectrum. And once again, maybe it's just, you know, the fact that I've been more involved and I will totally own that that is my privilege that I used to be able to say, I don't really care about politics because the reality is Mm. I hold so much privilege that policies don't, many policies don't really directly affect me as a cisgender white woman who's middle-class like, and that's the, the reality. And that was something for my own mental health. I really had to wrestle with like recognizing that privilege, recognizing my, naivety and things. Um, but I've noticed like a lot of people just like will make like mean comments and like name call and things like that. And I mean, I'll challenge them back if I feel like engaging me, like, please tell me like where I like posted my political affiliation or can you explain to me why you assume that about me based on me talking about a certain issue? Um, and I think, you know, going back to what we've been talking about, just like social media and things like that. I think people are also bolder in what they say. They'll say things that they might not say to uncle, what did you say? Uncle Nikki at the dinner table, but they'll say (laughs) online and it just Mm. becomes like a back and forth. And even if you try to disengage, you can still witness it between other people. Yeah. It's always like user 698 with no profile picture who's like talking the most shit you know what I mean like it's just it's always that person who's a little more anonymous but no it is stressful um lost my train of thought ADHD so oh there it goes (laughs) we'll never get that back but it is I mean I mean it's the reality is is that this is becoming more and more prevalent in our Mm -hmm. world um and it's becoming, and that may be because we're getting older. Sorry. It could oh. be because, it, it could be because in a way we are getting older and, you know, and these policies are affecting us more and more, mm-hmm. right? And, think- or we're getting more education or the more access to, yeah. to information. Um, 
But I think it's really important for us to learn how to take care of ourselves in these in these climates because it's not going anywhere. Other than locking yourself in a closet and turning off every access to social media, every access to media in general, we're going to be impacted by it. Whether we have a choice, whether, whether we have a choice or not, um, yeah. sadly. I think the one, the one good thing that's kind of, well, there's multiple good things that have come out of <clears throat> people being more politically aware is that I think a lot of people, including myself, have been recognizing privilege and, mm. and kind of like the conversation we've been having. So, you know, even my mom, I hung out with my mom recently and she's like, you know, we have white privilege. I'm like, well, I'm really glad that you finally know this. Like, mm. it's about one time. Come on. You know, like, so she's like learning and like, she's asking a lot of questions and I'm glad that she's asking me, you mm-hmm. know, because it's like opening up that conversation at home is I think the most important, you know, with policies and procedures and mm-hmm. politics and everything, you know. Well, and, and here's the thing. We all have privilege just in the, the ability to go vote, right? Mm-hmm. So when this mm-hmm. episode drops, it's going to be Monday the 7th, right? Voting is the 8th, right? Mm-hmm. I have a car. Mm-hmm. I have a flexible work schedule. I've already gotten an absentee. I already had gotten a reminder to file an absentee ballot if I got. I also have the privilege to gain the knowledge of who I'm voting for and what I'm voting mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. And the problem 100%. is, is not many people have that. And so they either, they, a lot of them choose not to vote for that. They, they don't have access to vote or they don't, the most common thing too, they feel like their vote doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so that's why it's so important if you're listening, especially if you're in a state, so Maine is a state where you can day of sign up to vote. There's no waiting period, nothing. You can wow. walk into a voter, you can walk into your local voting center, sign up that day and do it. Because I forgot to register when I first moved here because I moved here in the end of an August and it just was not on my plate starting grad school. And I was like, oh shit, it's voting day. How the hell am I going to vote? And my husband was like, no, you could just walk into a voting your voting center and sign up. And I was like, oh, okay. And so for anyone who's listening today, check if your state has that, if you're not registered to vote and have the ability to go vote um, because it is so important. And hearing you say that, it, it's just wild to me because like, so South Carolina, you can't do that. You can't register day of. Um, and just thinking about like even different state level policies mm-hmm. when it comes to voting. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, there are some states that it's much more accessible for all different types of people from all walks of earth. I follow um, this attorney on Instagram and she posted something recently, I think it was last week, um, about there are there's no federal law with regard to like being allowed to have time off to vote but i think it's like 30 states in dc have different laws my state is not one of them so in my state we do not get any time to off to vote um we do have a two week early voting period if you um are already registered can access a car all things like that yes absentee voting does make it um slightly easier um, for individuals that can mail a ballot in, because mm-hmm. that's the other thing. Like, can you get to a post office if you don't have, you know, a um, mailbox or, you know, for some people like, and, and this goes back to basic, like, do you even know how to mail a letter? 
and like how to properly address it. Can you afford stamps to mail it? Like there's just so many um, things, but it's, it's, it's interesting hearing you talk and be like, wow, like my state and we live in the same country is so different on Mm -hmm. like even laws with regard to voting. And that can impact your mental health and make you feel like if you live in a state where you feel like there are so many barriers in your way for even just being able to cast your vote. That's going to feed into, well, my vote doesn't even matter because there's all these Mm -hmm. barriers for me being able to do it in the first place. Mm -hmm. That makes me think of people who live in D.C. They like can't vote Um, and they probably feel so helpless, you know. Um, I literally just learned that like two weeks ago. You can't vote if you live in D.C.? What? Yeah. Is that a thing? Swear. Um, I'm going to have to go to Google for this one. I mean, I need a do- I need a second source of information. All right, let's see. We need multiple sources. <laughs> we need okay, multiple. Me and Jess aren't confirming or anything. I've never heard of that before either. Okay, so I haven't either. If you type into Google, people in DC can't vote, or can or can people in DC vote? Uh, Google says, "I need a dot." DC residents are denied representation. DC elects a non-voting delegate to the U.S. House of Representatives who can draft legislation, but they cannot vote. Uh, the current delegate for DC is Congress. You know, there's certain Congress people. Um, DC residents don't have a voice in the Senate committees or on the Senate floor. Isn't that nuts? The more you like, know. I had no idea. The more I you know. had literally, no idea either. I know. I know. I know. Literally. So I was I was scrolling TikTok and somebody said something about it. So I I did my research and I was like, this sounds off. Like kind of like your reactions. I was like, this isn't right. You know. And then I was researching and I have a couple of friends who live in DC and I'm like weird question. Can you vote? And they're like, no. And there's all these rallies about them wanting to be able to vote. It's insane, you know? So there's a part of the country that's technically not represented. And it's the part of the country that houses our president. It's kind of crazy to me. Um, I have no words. (laughs) Me neither. It's like mind-blowing. Just speechless. Me and Jess are like... what? It's like I almost want my sources because I almost I almost don't believe it, but like I've I I'm just you know, picturing the other group members just sitting at their phone going, What? Yeah. I was gonna say if group members have any commentary or whatever, put it in Please you know, prove the... please prove us wrong. I yeah, want seriously. to be proved wrong. Yeah. Wow. Oh my god. Well, I and mean, I guess I think that's just March... as important for everybody else to vote. Because you got exactly. a whole a whole big old town Reach. of people who can't. I know. And, and whether of, and, and it's I think with voting like I mean whether you're left right or in the middle I think it's important that you vote for the things that you care about and that you do mm-hmm. your research. Mm-hmm. For me, like whether someone comes at me and who has a different viewpoint of me, if they can come at me with actual facts that are backed up, okay, great. Mm-hmm. I'll respect your opinion, but the reality, like. We have like we have to vote because we are like this. We live in a democracy. That mm-hmm. is the whole sole purpose of this is that every single voice attempts to be heard. And again, privilege. There's privilege in that. There, mm-hmm. there are laws that keep people from voting because of felony status, things like that. Like there, are, there are lots of big reasons. But if you have that ability to use that ability, if you can, um, take the time to even just get cert- like even just your basic governor. And, and Senate seats. Like if you don't want to vote for school board because you're not sure how that's working out 
because you don't have a kid in the school. Okay. That's, that's a privilege piece to be able to say, like, I don't, I don't understand that. But like, at least get the information for your senators, your represent, your representatives and your governors. Um, because I'm pretty sure that's what this election is, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So on that note, should we take it to the polls? I'm Ooh. funny. I don't even <laughs> That was good. That was. Ooh, that was- I've been planning that, that came to my mind like 10 minutes ago and I was like, yeah. I, hope, I, think- I hope Justin doesn't jump in and start the poll questions before I can do this. Like, I think that, that gives lie. my hyperfixation that gives my hyperfixation joke a run for its money. Mm. That was a good one. We like a good oh. dad joke on this podcast. So that, to the that, that will be the poll question later. Who has the worst jokes on this podcast? <laughs> to I, the don't, polls. I don't jokes. I just I just roast people. But like that, I don't know, and like a jokes one. that fits yeah. in the category. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. To the polls. Thank you, thank you, as always, for engaging with us on Instagram and our stories. But we asked several questions. Several related to politics and mental health. One of them was, to what extent do you believe politics impacts your mental health? 51% said significantly. Yeah. Makes sense for all the reasons that we've discussed, that more than half of you say it makes a significant impact. It's tied to your values. It's Mm -hmm. tied to your rights. Mm -hmm. It's tied to laws. Of course. 40% said somewhat. 10% said not at all. Another great question we asked is how often do you engage in heated political discussions? 6% of you said frequently. We have no idea what frequently means because I wrote these and I did not use good anchors. Somewhere my grad school advisor is like, what, what does frequently mean, Justin? Was, was that what, like that actually, is that once a week? Is it once a day? Is it once a month? I'm so sorry. We Dr. need a Likert scale. Was that? Yes. What was I thinking? Anyways. I'm pretty sure that frequently was just Jess. It's just I Jess. literally no. was thinking that. I actually I responded and I did not put frequently because in my real life, I don't engage in heated political discussions. Okay, only but you're, but that, does, that doesn't matter. You're every other day I'm getting a text saying, look at this comment section. Look who I'm responding to. The like, best yeah. is when I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling TikTok and I come across like a video and I see she's, Jess's she's comment she's and I'm like, I'm like, she's doing the most in the best way. Like Amen. literally. Amen. But TikTok yeah. doesn't allow you to like send links. So now I have to write the article titles and stuff. It's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> Now, a question we need to ask is what percent of people look up your articles that you suggest? Zero. Zero. No. Maybe they care. They care. Maybe if she grabs a person right in the middle, maybe 1%. So yeah, I would yeah. say the my assumption would be the people who I send the articles or intend the articles for do not look it up. It's random other people that are like, oh, let me just Google this. Like Kristen. Okay, but 6% said frequently. Yeah, 45% of you said sometimes. Again, who the hell knows what that means because I wrote bad anchors. And 49% said hardly ever. Yeah, and there's all kinds of different reasons why Mm. you may or may not be. Maybe you're just sitting in your own echo echo chamber, which is, again, sometimes we don't gain other perspective 
from other groups of people if we just stay in our own echo chamber, which of course, as a psychologist, I feel like I'm always growing and changing, staying open-minded. I feel like that's important, but your mm -hmm. values might be different. Um, or maybe you're just protecting yourself. Maybe you're just trying to uh, balance out your life in different ways. So maybe that's why you're not. Lots of interpretations we could have. How much do you value politics or putting energy towards politics? 28% um, of you said it's very important. 54% said it's somewhat important. And 18% said it isn't that important. I get it. Again, especially as you go through life, it's like some of these things really impact us and our day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. Others of us, because of any number of reasons, privilege definitely being one of them, it might not impact you, so you might not put much energy towards it. Or hopefully not too many of you, but maybe a lot of you are jaded out there because you kind of feel like your voice doesn't matter. And yet we want to encourage you that it does, certainly <laughs> does matter. Yes. What are, and the final question we ask is, what are you feeling going into this election season? 62% of you said anxious. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 23% 20, said scared, 11% mm. depressed, 3% excited. So there, there's 3% of people out there. Maybe, maybe they're the optimists. I don't mm. know. I think a lot but, of states have some big things on the line. Like I know here in Maine, our governor race is between our current governor and a previous governor jeez, um, oh, oh. who's rerunning and it's it's hot um and yeah it, our governor it's race. very it's very polarizing mm -hmm. yeah. our governor race is a big one because we have the governor that's been governor for i don't even know how long and then a 40 year old like very fresh young mm -hmm political and like very different different views um almost like very polarizing like you said complete mm -hmm. um opposite and stuff justin i did want to add if it was okay a couple people messaged us um just with other feelings about it so some people said apathetic another person said intimidated coming oh, into wow. the yeah. um political season um and then we had somebody that reached out and said I'm from Canada, but US politics makes me more anxious than my own, which I thought was interesting. Mm, that's really validating. Yeah. <laughs> I hear I hear that often. I don't know if that that makes me sad. Mm -hmm. That like yeah. our politics in our own country are making other countries anxious or or worried. Um but yeah. It's 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 gonna be a crazy season. I even mm -hmm. think about like the reasons why people feel that way. And I think maybe part of it is like, they don't see people like them represented. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, the average age of an American is what? 36, 37. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not like making the right, I'm pretty sure it's 36. I'll have to look it up, but like, you know, who's in politics? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's, it's just kind of tough, I think. So. Well, and I know like this season, are we voting on house? And like, that type of stuff. It, could it flip? Is that what? No, not this one. See, this is this is where I have to do my research. I know. Thirty-eight point one years old is the average age of an American. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that that new that person who's running. I mean, that's kind of closer mm -hmm. to the average age. So I wonder. Oh my god, that would be a breath of fresh air in, in some way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I always think about and that. Imagine if a Gen Zer became president. I would literally 
oh love it. I lose my mind. They will be eventually. They will be at some point, but you have to be 35. I know. I know. Um, the average age of the members of – so this is for U.S. politics – of the House at the beginning of this most recent Congress was 58.4 years and senators mm-hmm. was 64.3 years. Mm-hmm. I could see so that. that like, that's see a that good dra- point. That's such a drastic difference, right? It's so different. Your median yeah. is so far off mm-hmm. of – of what the actual representation in your own country is, just age-wise, not even politically-wise, but just age. Or race. or I was going to say, and then we haven't even talked about race, sexual orientation. Nothing. Um, Yeah. It's it's interesting. Children of immigrants, things like that. As a bisexual woman, it's hard to think about, like, a woman president and then a president who isn't straight, you know? I mean, I think that would be a great representation, but I Mm. can only hope. You know, yeah. One day, one day, one day. But it's always so interesting just hearing the polls, right? And just seeing where what what people are feeling, what our what our members are feeling um, towards our certain topic. So I always love hearing those. Me too. And we also get like so many amazing questions each week, right? We put that we put we put the topic out, and we ask what questions do you guys as our group members have for us, and. This week, I will say we got some good ones. A lot of them did overlap, so I'm gonna I'm gonna combine a couple, um, and and go from there. So, Alex from Florida, and we started Whoa. to talk on. I know we started to talk about this um, a little bit, but is it okay to talk politics and therapy? Yeah. I say yes. I think, I think it's absolutely <laughs> welcome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I welcome it. For my clients, um, I know when there's big things that happen, I'll ask, like, I know our goals are A, B, and C. I do want to create space for this one issue. I know you and mm-hmm. I have kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the things that might be stressful for you as it relates to this. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to chat about it, let me know. Mm-hmm. If not, you absolutely have no obligation to. And most of my clients take me up on it and they're like, thank you for saying it. I didn't know if that was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they're kind of, like, relieved. And some clients are just like, eh. Want to talk about sleep? I'm like, cool. (laughs) That's what when Roe versus Wade was overturned, um, I went to a lot of my female identifying clients and said, "How is like how do is this something you want to talk about? I want to open the space up. If you don't, totally fine. But I think that we have to remember that therapy is a space where we can talk about whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And yes, sir. Go ahead." No, and and just and knowing that. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah, validate that, especially from the client perspective. Like, mm-hmm. it literally is your space. Like, if you bring something up to your therapist, and you feel like it wasn't heard, or you feel judged, or whatever, again, that can be a sign that you're not with the right therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there really isn't anything. I, I can't say that enough. There's nothing you couldn't bring to your therapist. You know, we get into sexual things, we get into kinks, we get into politics, mm-hmm. we get into religion. It all impacts your psyche and mm-hmm. mental health. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. again, I think you'll learn, are you with the right therapist of how they hear you, how they validate and where the conversation moves with whatever you bring up. But on the therapist end, I agree. I think it's often our mm-hmm. responsibility to broach certain topics and find out. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. at worst, in certain topics that you broach, whether it's Rover's weight or any sort of policy, mm-hmm. um, 
a client will tell you, no, it didn't really impact me. Mm-hmm. But you certainly show that you're conceptualizing them, thinking about them and holding that what happens in our society at large, we know impacts mental health. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, and going back to something you said, K10, about like, I know these are our therapy goals, but I want to check in on this. Like, what I tell my clients all the time is like, yes, like you came to me for a reason. We have these certain goals. But like, if something comes up since our last session that is really impacting you, that has nothing to do with the therapy goals, we need to talk about it because that is what is most pressing to you in the moment. So if I'm, you know, seeing somebody for an eating disorder, but they've been really impacted by something going on politically and that is their stressor, I want to address that because that stress is impacting their mental health and in turn may be impacting whatever we are working on as well. And like Justin said, it is a safe space and you should be able to bring up whatever you want or need to in therapy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think it's especially important too f- to bring this up with clients who are very different from us, you know, even presenting differently. Like, I have a lot of clients who are trans. I have a lot of clients who are, you know, people of color. And, you know, when the George Floyd thing happened, they were like, I don't know if I could talk to you about this. Like, and I'm like, you can talk to me about anything. It's up to you if you feel safe. You know, it's, it's up to you to identify if this is a safe space. Like, mm-hmm. that's my intention. But if you don't want to talk about it with me, because I'm white, I totally understand. You know, it's it's really just trying to create that space. And if people take you up on that, great. And if they don't, they don't, you know. But I do think it's like, to Justin's point, it's our duty to at least identify like, hey, you can bring this up. And, and yeah. Jess, yeah, if, if it's impacting them stress-wise, of course, you know. But I do think it's like, if they take us up on it, it's up to them. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. their session, you know. Well, and, and talking about safety, um, we have a question kind of around that, and that's from Caroline from Baltimore, Maryland, and Max from Iowa. Should therapists disclose their political standings in therapy, or how should a th- how should a, pa- a patient or a client ask their pa- therapist how they stand? What do you guys think? This is a good one. So it, it's so interesting for me because, like, I don't know what y'all's experiences were in graduate school, but you know, even though. I feel like oh, I wasn't in graduate school that long ago. I was very much taught like blank slate, don't disclose mm-hmm. or only disclose in certain situations. And especially over the past few years with COVID and everything going on, I have found that politics have been brought up a lot more in my sessions. And I have been directly asked, you know, who did you vote for or what are your thoughts on this? Um, I've had clients just open discussions about topics and kind of all give my impact input or feedback based on where it leads. I mean, I personally don't think there is anything wrong with disclosing your political affiliation if asked. Going back to something Justin said at the very beginning, like we're not like asking our clients on like the intake form, like what is your political affiliation to make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. I align with you. And for me personally, and people might do this say differently, I don't offer it up out of nowhere. Like I'm not going to be too. like, hey, this is who I voted for. But if it comes up in discussion and kind of like I said earlier when talking about um, making certain content on social media, a lot of times it's not even just like, are you – 
X party or Y party or however, it's more like, how do you feel about this certain issue? Is this a safe Mm -hmm. issue for me to bring up? I don't think, and granted, it might be Mm -hmm. different because I work with teens. I've definitely been asked like who I've voted for, but I have never been asked like, what party do you align with Mm -hmm. more? And it's more like topic focused. Yeah. I mean, the blank slate thing, in my opinion, can be very dangerous because I think it's helpful to a certain degree, but if you like if you're really rigid with it, then you might shut clients out and they might not, they might not trust you, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's difficult. I've had clients ask me like, yeah, who did you vote for? And in my mind, from an ethical standpoint, I'm like, will this benefit the client? That's always what I go back to always, Mm -hmm. no matter what it is. If they ask me a personal question, if they ask me a question about politics, if they ask me a question about sexual orientation, anything. Right. And I, I, in my mind, I'd really have to quantify, will this help our therapeutic alliance and will it help the client feel safe enough to continue to reach their goals or is it going to cause a rupture? And if it causes a rupture, that's really hard, you know, and at the same time, you know, it it really just depends on the client. So most of my clients weirdly are really similar in my, you know, in my political affiliation. When I worked at the VA, it was a, it was a mixed bag. Um, And really the one, the one thing that I love about veterans is they're so open um, and they're just so, um, accepting as well. Even if we have different, you know, political views, I, I had a couple of clients who were on the opposite end of the spectrum and, and we had some really great sessions, incredible sessions. Um, so it doesn't mean that you can't get along with your therapist if you're not politically aligned. You know, it, I think it, it's more a matter of what it's going to do for the client, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think in a lot of ways it could be a good opportunity. I mean, there, no matter what side you're on with things it's sad you even have to say side but it just shows how divided we are as a country Mm -hmm. but i think it could you know i'm thinking of different places i've worked where the clientele was very different politically than i was i think it could show that you're able to hear and see a human being someone can come alongside and you not just put them into a box that has a lot of labels on it and all of us know all the labels that you call the other side of the spectrum or that political leaders have called the other side. It does nothing for our country. It does nothing Mm-mm. for us to hear each other. It does nothing for us to make real change that would impact most of us. I mean, I get real cynical that I think a lot of change that happens only benefits 1% of the population. And all of mm-hmm. us are just below that scrambling, fighting over things that we think matter while the rich get richer. But not to go too deep into my own mm-hmm. feelings of jadedness in different parts of the political system. But no, I, I think ultimately, if you want real change, you have to be able to hear somebody who has a different perspective mm-hmm. than you. That does not agree. mean you yeah. agree with them. Mm-hmm. But if, if we want to be heard, like I can think of all the things that impact me. If I want to be heard on that, how can I ever believe that someone's going to hear me if I don't hear anyone else? If I just stay on my side and call an entire, you know, 35, 40% of the population a bunch of names, but yet I want them to listen to me. I want them to validate my experience. Again, I, I maybe I'm an idealist in that sense, but I very much feel like you have to be able to listen to someone else's perspective. And that includes where they come from, the culture, their upbringing, because politics are rooted in history of a person. People don't just wake up one day and decide who they are. I love that sentiment, Justin, about being able to hear the other side. 
And I think that's what creates a sense of connection with people because I feel like there's so much disconnection with how polarizing things are. You know, it's, it feels like a two party system and it's not, you know, and it's, it's really difficult, I think, for people to feel a sense of like, I don't know, like not agree to disagree on certain things, but to be able to actually be heard, you know, um, I really love how you worded that. I'm going to, I'm going to take that and leave that up here. That was great. Thanks, Bestie. Um, oh my God. Is your brain offline right now or what? <laughs> yeah, the simulation just glitched a little bit. And okay, I was trick or treating with my nephews last night. We found a UFO. I don't know if you saw my picture on Facebook. I did. So I did. We're out of this. We're out of this world, guys. So <laughs> I wish I could show it on the podcast. It's so cute. Um, <laughs> my nephew ran up to it. He's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> so here's a good question, Reagan from Massachusetts. Yeah, so yeah. Like, whoop, whoop, New England. <laughs> Um, with the holidays coming up, how can I deal with political discussions with family members who have very different views than me? It tends to ruin the holidays for me. It makes me shut down and not looking forward to being with family. Oh yeah. Same. (laughs) Oh God. It's yeah. And, and new, and I, I mean, it's, I mean, I can definitely say this, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely probably the same across the country, but I can definitely speak to New England when I feel like it's so polarizing up here mm-hmm. um, where you're going to go to family dinner and you're going to have Uncle Nicky, who's from. I just want to know who Uncle like, Nicky is. I don't yeah, know. Who is <laughs> Do you have an Uncle Nicky? Is this Uncle like Nikki trauma based? Is... What's going on? No, I don't have an Uncle Nicky. <laughs> Just, I don't know where it came from. I just think of Uncle Nicky from This Is Us, but he's a pretty good dude. Um, but I know, I know. Now I'm not. Now I can't think of Uncle Nicky being a bad dude. Now, thanks, guys. Um, but like, you'll have Uncle Nicky who is like completely opposite, not willing to hear another side of a view. Is just this is my view, no matter what. And it, like knowing that you're gonna go and maybe you might pick battles. Like we all have that one family member where you're like, I'm just not going to talk to you, but they come out of nowhere and they're like, so about so-and-so in politics. And you're like, Jesus Christ, I just walked in the door. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's how I kind of, how I kind of handle this is, is this person willing to have a back and forth conversation Mm -hmm. and are they willing to hear both sides and are they willing to not validate where I'm coming from, but hear me? And if they're mm-hmm. unable, in my mind, if I could predict, and it's, it takes like a level of prediction, if they're not able to do that and they're going to say, my view is it, it doesn't sound like they want to have a conversation. It sounds like they just want to be right. And if somebody just wants to be right, then I'm not going to engage. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's open, you know, to kind of shooting the shit and going back and forth, then I'd be more open to that. So um, I usually just put up some boundaries and I'm like, listen, I would love to talk about this right now, but I'm trying to be merry. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I just try to make a joke about it because I just can't, In my, this is just personal. Like if I expend all this energy on someone who's not even going to see or hear me, it's just going to cause me distress and that's it. They're going to go on and just be fine, you know? So. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head right there, K10, with boundaries. Like I think boundaries mm-hmm. are so important, whether it's political discussions or other discussions, like, you know, the holidays, we have this like idea they're all supposed to be merry holly jolly whatever 
you know, term you want to use to describe whatever holiday you celebrate. But in reality, like they're really stressful for a lot of people. (laughs) Um, Even when it's a positive thing, it can be really stressful. And, you know, there might be certain conversations that just add to that stress. So, you know, setting boundaries beforehand and, you know, if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to the certain family member that gets up in your face, if, you know, say it's, and we're going back to uncle Nikki, if uncle Nikki is your dad's brother and you feel comfortable saying like, dad, I do not want to engage in a conversation with uncle Nikki about politics. Um, but I don't feel comfortable reaching out. Like, could you just say like, Hey, this holiday, we're not gonna talk about X, Y, or Z issues because we want to enjoy our time together. Um, I would also argue like depending, and I don't know this individual's like circumstances, but if going to a holiday event is going to be more stressful, more overwhelming, you know, and, and significantly negatively impact your mental health, like you don't have to go if that's an option. Yeah. Like, yes. I mean, yes. or, you know, say it, Jess. go for a little say bit it. and then leave if that is an option. Like I said, I have no, mm. no idea about this individual's circumstances, um, but that's a boundary as well. Like if that is not mm-hmm. how you want to spend your holidays and if there you have other options mm-hmm. that are going to be better for you, um, emotionally, mentally, seek out those options. Or maybe if that's not an option, like, is there another family member you can kind of like buddy up with and like not yeah. be a, a, a safe person for we you? We talk shit in the corner. <laughs> exactly. Favorite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, boundary, boundaries, boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it's hard. I don't know about you all. I feel like boundaries with family members are like harder for me than any other type of person. Well, okay, maybe not KBI, but I don't I don't KBI know that. The, KBI is like the queen of boundaries. With <laughs> well, I was um, I was going to say my the two things that I like to do at boundaries, um the two things that I commonly do is I was willing I'll say this, I was willing to have a discussion with you, but I'm not willing to debate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because there's a difference like between a back and forth discussion and then it turns into a debate. And that's usually where, like, if it starts turning into that, I will, I will approach it and I say, I was, I'm willing to have a calm, I'm willing to have a discussion, but I'm not willing to debate. And if this is going to be a debate, I'm going to be done. I also like to, when it's getting to a point where I'm just done, I like to make really uncomfortable comments and then just leave like an uncomfortable Irish goodbye where like, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go. Oh, my stomach's hurting. I got to go visit that, that, uh, marble throne. Bye. And just like, just up and leave mid conversation. I love it. And like, or or find something around food being like, "Mm, pie holes a little hungry. I'm going to go get some, I'm going to go find some of those chicken wings. Bye. Like just completely like in the middle of the conversation, because then they're like, what the fuck? Just derail them. I I love More life hacks from KBI. Guys, I'm I'm taking notes. We had laundry life hacks. Now we have conversation life hacks. (laughs) And hiding in the background. I I always go back to... Dear man from DBT mm-hmm. and like humor. Those are like my two go tos, but I want to use that. I love Dear Man. Me, me and I'm Dear obsessed man with Dear Man. I literally have it on my wall right now. I'm obsessed yeah. with Dear Man. Like it's so good. But but that's like like sometimes you got to resort to like just cutting the conversation off. However you want to do that, you can just say, you know what, I'm done with this conversation and up and leave. And obviously, you have to feel some sense of safety in that position to do so. Like again, if you're in a domestic violence situation or family that can get very, very aggressive, very fast, 
might not be the best situation. Obviously we have to gauge our gauge that. Um, but I'm the queen of just being like, bye, done. Peace out. I like, out. I'm like the type that like, if you're going to make me uncomfortable, we're both going to be uncomfortable. You oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, I love, I don't know, maybe this is like a sick trait I have, but if somebody's trying to make me uncomfortable, I try to like double down and like ask them like a really awkward question. I'm like, so how often do you wash your feet? When you're in the shower, do you actually wash your legs and your feet or do you not? Like, and it's just so random. Like I'll say, ra- seriously, I go, I don't know why. Have I, you asked I saw people that question and actually gotten that answer? It's terrifying how many people it's don't insane. actually wash their feet in the shower. It is insane. Whole question for next don't wash week. Their legs. Do yeah. you actually yeah. scrub between your tootsies? We need to know. We need to know. Maybe once a year. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> The problem I, I is, is I fully bit. believe that. The problem is, is I fully believe that in some capacity. Justin would be the kind no. of person who washes the top of his feet, but doesn't actually wash the bottom. No, Justin's I, like, I live in Florida. I go to the beach. The The ocean waves clean between oh, my toes. Yes, so clean, I need no. to. Clean the salt no, water. That. I I that. If I'm being 100, Jess knows me better than anyone because that was going to be my next response. I was like, do you know how exfoliating... <laughs> Do you know how exfoliating the hot sand is and salt water in your feet? That's 100% what I was about to you say. You know, honey, y'all can scrub Dr. J. soap made in a factory that you think is good for you. I'm out of nature, all right? I'm letting Mother Nature cleanse me. But go ahead and grab your little synthetic thing that has a million plastics in it and tell yourself you're getting clean in the shower. I'm questioning my whole life right now. I'm, I'm, I'm questioning Justin's hygiene techniques. Yeah, I think yeah. no, I think you it's solid though. Fair. I mean, salt water. Listen, I. It's all you. I'll need. take it. I'll it's take hot it. Hot sand, salt water. Nothing can survive that except mm-hmm. except maybe cockroaches. Happy sea life. Well, and, and well, we know KBI is never going to take a bath in water because she's scared of open water. Well, yeah, I'm I'm, t- I'm going to take a bath in my tub while I scrub yes. between my tootsies. She trusts what was made in that factory. Yeah, filled with plastics mm-hmm. over Mother Nature. Yeah, I'll I'll remember that when you're drinking out of your plastic Dunkin' Donuts cup later. Oh, f- fair Ooh. assessment. When mm. when's Dunkin' going to pivot on that? Help me, help me, help know. the world, Dunkin'. I can tell you, I love the turtles, guys. I really want to save the turtles. But these paper straws are not it. You, you should have your reusable plastic straw by now. I got like 20. They're or everywhere. the metal ones. Okay. I have a couple you metal ones. You forget that I have ADHD and they're just going to sit and gather mold when I pull them out of the cup. Or I'm going to forget that they're in the cup and I'm just going to throw them out. You, but you wash them That's... like you wash anything else. So you're, you're big on wash, washing your body. You're on a high stand with that, but you can't wash a single reusable yes. straw. But when I go to- Oh my God, I'm living for this. And it's sitting in my car and I'm like, oh, I got to throw this cup out. And I let the, take the straw out and place it on my car seat. I forget that it's there. Then I have seven danky, nasty- I am Wrong. like really questioning the fact that I'm friends with you guys. Like, how do you listen? This we're modeling for you what it's like to get in political discussions during the holidays. True, true. <laughs> this is okay. This is a good example of a deviation that I'm could not, relieve Justin, you of the pressure. I was willing of dealing to with Uncle this. Nikki. I was willing to discuss this, but I'm not going to debate it. I'm going to go sit on the <laughs> the, the marble throne now. Bye. 
Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not going to follow you in there. Or <laughs> oh, God. Good, because that's weird. <laughs> oh, my God. So someone said, so let's go to the next one. Mary from Arkansas. Ooh, we close Mary. Arkansas. Let's go, girl. <laughs> I know. I, just, I feel why, like it should be I just Ar- don't understand. Why, why do we not call it? Why don't we do, call Kansas Kansas? I need Why do answers? we call it Kansas? Don't try to make I need answers. It doesn't make it sense. No, so, because okay. Kansas actually phonetically makes sense. Arkansas doesn't. Yeah. So why isn't it Arkansas? And I love how in the draw, whatever, we, we kind of read some notes and stuff. You put it Arkansas, <laughs> like kind of Arkansas. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Okay. So Mary asked, during COVID in January 6th, I kind of stepped away from the news because it was too much. Is that okay to do? Is it okay yes, to Mary. step away? <laughs> I say a hard yes. Mm-hmm. Like if if watching the news is negatively impacting your mental health, turn it off. Even yeah. if it's the news of your choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like even even if it's the, like if you're becoming overwhelmed just by watching it and watching your again whether it's you're watching your affiliation or the opposite you can press pause and come back. It's totally. I always think okay. there's a tipping point. You know, like the tipping point. It's like getting the information is helpful, and then if it's causing more anxiety, that is the time to step away. You mm-hmm. know, and if it's. Maybe if it's two minutes in, if it's 10 minutes in, if it's an hour in, cool. You just step away because you're not going to be able to retrieve or take that information in and actually digest it. If you're ang- if you're in an anxious state, I mean, your body goes through so much during that time. So it's probably not helpful anyway. Yeah, exactly. I will say personally for me, like the amount of news I watch has significantly decreased. Like during mm-hmm. the beginning of the pandemic, I was watching it a lot to kind of keep up. And then obviously working in a hospital, I was inundated with like information and like after a year or so of doing that, it just got too much um, for me. And, you know, I'm not going to lie and say there's no stress in my life because I have plenty of stress, but like, I don't feel a need to like turn on the news and see what's happening. Mm-hmm. What I do, like I'll turn it on every now and again. And if there's a story that kind of sparks my interest or like I see something on like Apple notifications, then kind of going back to like gathering more information. If I'm in a space to do so, I will look up that information later I love when that. I'm in a place to do so. Um, I'm actually yeah. really structured with it. Like I don't aimlessly scroll the For You page or Explore page unless it's during that structured time where I know I have the mental capacity to take in whatever the hell comes on my free page, you know, and that might be news. You know, if I have space, I'll be like, okay, I don't have a client right after this, or, you know, I have a full day that I could, you know, if something affects my mood or my anxiety, then it's easy. But Mm -hmm. I, I actually don't scroll. I don't know if this is normal or not. I just don't scroll the Explorer or free page, like really ever. Um, And I, cause that's kind of like where people have like those heated political topics and, I'll try to be more distinct about it. Like I'll do that only during certain times. Like I actually schedule it. It sounds like, it sounds like kind of crazy, but if I'm not able to take in whatever is coming up, then I'm not going to be able to kind of like fully absorb what's going on. And it's, it's going to affect things. Like it's going to affect my next client. It's going to affect, you know, me seeing my friends. If I can't actually close the loop and think about it and actually process it. 
Yeah. Well, that's something that Megan from Ontario asked is just how do you take care of your mental health while engaging in this stuff? And so again, like you said, K10, creating structure or Mm -hmm. um, knowing when to turn off. What are some other things that you guys do to take care of your mental health when it comes to kind of engaging in political stuff? I'll sometimes tell my, yeah, literally, I was literally about to say the same thing. Like I'll sometimes tell my friends, like, cause some of us are like on the same page. I'll be like, Hey, today I just want it to be like funny, fun, light. And I'll just like text them that. And then like, they'll know. And other times I just won't say anything and I'll be open to whatever. But sometimes I do need boundaries. So she'll be like, KBI, send me the funniest TikTok you found. And then it's you always some, brighten my day with that shit. And then it's some horrid dark humor. The shit you sent me on TikTok is like questionable. Did you see the one time. with the mouse? No. Oh my gosh. My brother-in-law Wait, sent that to me and then you sent it to me and I was like, this they, poor mouse. This, they they caught a mouse in their house and they had it in a little cup and they released it and it started running across the parking lot and the bird went, phew. Oh, I feel like that's old. I feel like that it was. So, so, that, so there was a YouTube video from years ago called Bunnies Don't Fly. And that was the whole thing. I was on a weird what? side of YouTube when it first came out. Interesting. And, and Interesting. <laughs> then this came up and I was like, oh, there it is. Guys, I'm on a weird side of TikTok. I'm not on political TikTok at all. I'm on. I'm on. That's how I'm I take care like- of my mental health. I, when political TikToks come up, I'm like, not interested. Not interested. I don't want to watch you. I just want to watch stupid dark humor videos. Yeah, I I think it's okay to decide how you're going to consume, of course, mm-hmm. political information. I know for me, it's like I'm much more apt to like try to gather information by reading versus like mm-hmm. watching. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember the last time I really watched the news. Probably during elections is the only yeah. time I sit there with some news thing on. And even then I wonder like, is this good for me? Because even that with the music, with the whole screen turning a color on you and you're like, ah, or you're, oh, it's so jarring. Yeah. It's so dramatic. And then I I don't know. I think a lot about that. And it's like, it's hard not to see the theater of all these things and wonder what impact does this have on me? Mm. But especially again, because these things do matter. We've talked about that at length of how much these policy changes and hoping you'll get someone in that represents you and represents the things mm. that you care about, you know, that is so important, but thinking about how you consume that. I mean, a lot of videos are viral on TikTok or any social media for a reason. It's because they're yeah. very, they're very emotionally triggering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This might seem kind of like the opposite of taking care of my mental health, like on, on the, face value. But one thing I have found is really helpful with regard to like educating myself and learning more, especially as somebody that does hold a lot of privilege is listening to like the voices and stories of individuals. Like, so not getting Mm -hmm. information from like CNN, Fox News, um, or like very like, I don't know, formalized uh, articles with certain intent. It's, you know, listening to the lived experiences of individuals because I find for me at least I don't get nearly as like I'll get I'll get angry and upset um about like oppression but I don't get it's not the same feeling as when I like see a flashy title that I'm like this is Mm -hmm. like clickbait 
and then I read it, and then I like tear apart the article on on whatever side it is, and that's in some ways like even though it is still emotional, and I have to be in the right state of mind to do that. I have found for me that's been like a really helpful way not only to learn more, but like I don't know, learn in a different way and at a deeper level because it's from people that are actually experiencing these things rather than just like reading policies that I don't understand. I'm so happy you said that because I feel like that that has been the most valuable part of being on social media and like at least being a consumer of social media is that you get to, for the people who are open to discussing and and even educating, which it's not their responsibility by any means at all ever. Um, But for the people who do take the time to just at least talk on these topics you know, um, I'm thinking of people who are minorities and stuff like that. Hearing from them personally helps me understand from an empathetic standpoint of how certain political experiences could affect the human being. And I think that that is way more impactful than I don't actually watch mainstream news because it's just to me, it just sounds it, it just feels like bullshit. Honestly, I'm just going to say it. It just feels like BS. Um and it's just hard for me to take it seriously when there's those taglines that are like, like Jess is saying, like, they're so dramatic. I'm like, oh, my God, like, stop. Like, I just can't. That's why I follow Under the Desk News. Because I love it. Because v, we love you. <laughs> and, and that's why I love all of the questions from everybody, because I love that it continues. It, it also gives us that ability to even think, again, differently. Some of these questions like we didn't touch upon in that in that discussion hour um, to even bring more into how politics impact mental health. And so that's why it's important for kind of all of our group members that each topic that you guys do see, make sure that you submit a question that you might have for these, because um, it really does enhance enhance these discussions for us all and for you guys. Oh, yeah. Do we have any more? Are we? No, I think that was Yay. the last one. Oh my goodness. So as we wrap up today's session, we leave you with this question. In what ways do you think the mental health field is tied to structural systems and policies? So head over to our Instagram page and comment on this post. And as always, thank you so much for joining us and contributing to our conversation with your listener questions. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends. And we will see you next week in group therapy. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.